As you may know, a lot of RSSB's work is to facilitate cross-industry collaboration, collaboration that will reduce risk, making ours a better, more sustainable and safer railway. Most of our railway's safety challenges and the activities needed to achieve them are laid down in the industry's health and safety strategy document, Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railway. One of those sections in it is freight derailment. Some of those derailments have the potential for knock-on risk to become a hazard to other train services. At the very least, they will cause disruption and delays that can quickly spread across the network. But a freight train doesn't have to derail to cause disruption and delay. Several incidents are reported each week that could have resulted in a derailment. The RSSB annual health and safety report describes an increasing trend in potentially high-risk train accidents. The Rail Accident Investigation Branch has highlighted issues about the condition of freight vehicles on the network in its annual report. And the Chief Inspector at the ORR has raised concerns about missing or inadequate risk control arrangements at an operational level. The Cross-Industry Freight Derailment Working Group has, for the most part, looked at the part played by uneven loading of freight vehicles and at track condition. The third factor in the perfect storm is the freight vehicles themselves, and this is now the focus of one of the National Freight Safety Group's top risk projects, the condition of freight vehicles on the network. So in this episode, we'll be talking about some of the activities that aim to address that specific issue. To which end, I'm pleased to have with me today Devon Johnson, Operational Risk Manager at Freightliner Group, and Dave Ethel, a member of the National Freight Safety Group. Welcome to both of you. Devon, could I ask you to introduce yourself and tell our listeners how you came to your current role in the railway? Okay, thank you, Ant. I started on the railway a long, long time ago in BR days, in the engineering side with the CMNEE. But over the years, with changes in reorganisations, I found myself in health and safety in about the 1990s. I've worked in the freight sector throughout my career, though, and have had a lot of experience at all areas within the freight railway. I've been with Freightliner now for 10 years. And in this role as operational risk manager, I started in January of this year. And as part of that role, I joined this working group. Thank you, Devon. Welcome to the podcast. And now, Dave, please. Oh, hi, Ant. Yeah, and thanks for inviting me today. Yeah, so I'm um, not as well versed in railway as Devon is, with only 13 and a half years uh, within rail freight, with a previous career in the Royal Air Force, spanning 26 years in various engineering roles. Within rail freight, I was uh, involved in depot management, running engineering and continuous improvement, safety projects across Europe. And my career concluded with DB Cargo in 2020, with being the head of safety operations for DB Cargo UK. And now I operate as the NFSG's independent project manager, heading up the CFVM project. Thank you, Dave, and welcome to you too. One of RSSB's responsibilities is to oversee and encourage the strategic activities listed in Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railway. As I've already hinted, a freight train delay isn't just a freight train delay. The knock-on effects can spread widely across the network very quickly. Our analysis of safety data at RSSB has identified that a large proportion of freight train network delays are due to wagon defects. These include brake faults, wheel faults, air pipe faults, handbrake faults, loss of air and decoupling and door faults. Any of these, if not detected, has the potential to cause network delays, operational incidents and, at worst, a derailment risk. So these are the factors being looked at by a specialist group, the Condition of Freight Vehicles on the Network Working Group, 
Dave, if I can ask you first, that's quite a title. What does it mean? Well, yes, Ant, yeah, it is an elongated project title. Um, ultimately, it's about the safe and correct way uh, to prepare freight trains for operation on the network. And as you will know, and everybody will know with the railway, we run many freight trains successfully every day. Some of these freight trains that get on the network, we do see faults occurring, of which you just mentioned. I think it's important to mention, really, firstly, importantly, I want to recognise the people at the front end of the CFVM project, those being the thousands of ground staff and engineers who keep our freight trains running 24-7. And these individuals do this fantastic job in tough environmental and physically demanding scenarios as they prefer and build and maintain freight trains for our network operations for our eight UK national freight companies, those being DB Cargo UK, Freightliner, GBRF, DRS, Corlas Rail, DC Rail, Victor Rail, Rail Ops Group, and of course, the vital relationship within that relationship with Network Rail. We also have over 15,000 freight wagons in the UK that continue to serve us magnificently over the year. But importantly, each one of these vehicles has its own individual life cycle and maintenance cycle. And those interventions, we need to understand how they impact its operation on the network across various freight flows, such as fuel, oil, biomass, and nuclear, uh, ports and terminals, aggregate flows, SCO trains, and now, as we approach Sandai, the autumn treatment trains. Thank you, Dave. That's explained the project very well and its size. How's the project been received across the freight sector? Uh, well, Anne, the uh, NFSG collaborative model uh, has be received much positive accolade over recent years. And I must say the CFVM project has also been admirably received by our stakeholders, of which we have over 30 of them. We link in them in various ways, both strategically and operationally, at different levels. Um, obviously, with all the FOCs, as I've previously mentioned, importantly, the top of the tree, the RDG Freight Board, uh, Network Rail, the Office of Rail and Road, RAIB, um, RSSB, and importantly, the Rail Wagon Association who have various ECMs and rail freight service providers involved in their stakeholder group. And with over 600 freight trains operating daily, these stakeholder groups and their inclusion is vital to this project's success. And again, I must stress, ultimately, this project is about the safety and well-being of the most important people in this process, the frontline ground staff, engineers and rail personnel, including drivers across the rail freight sector. So can you give us some detail about some of the specific issues that the group has been looking at? I think it's important first to explain CFVN's strategic activities, of which there's two lead ones, as identified in LHPSR. Uh, the first one is to quantify the risk and identify emerging trends of vehicles entering the network in an unsafe condition, and also to develop a risk management plan that identifies immediate risk reduction initiatives and long-term mitigation objectives. And the second one being to standardise and then best practices and suitable control measures within the safety management systems of all FOCs. You mentioned, Ant, in your introduction, the various wagon fault types that the project is focusing on and some concerns over the number of vehicles in traffic with those defects. And we've been working very closely with the RSSB's human factor specialists. One person in particular, James Lonergan, has been my right-hand man since April. The fault data was not conclusive to one type of wagon, failure or head code or location. And due to this, we adopted the practical problem-solving model to evaluate our situation. The practical problem solving process allows the project team to clarify the problem, analyze root cause and monitor results and process, but also importantly, to standardize and share success across the industry. This led us to two key CFVM work streams, which are now our core activities. One being the train preparation and loading, 
of which Devon is a key leader for that for Freightliner. And the second one is the conditional vehicles presented for service delivery, of which we are only just embarking on. I must thank the RSSB Human Factors team, who've been working with me, as I said earlier, so closely on centering into the train preparation and loading work stream. And at this point, I'll hand over to Devon to explain some of that work. Thank you very much, Dave. Devon, you've been given the introduction. Could you tell us more about the initiative and how it's been structured? Yes, thank you very much. Yes, this was in two phases. The first phase was an online form that we developed and we emailed it out to as many of the frontline staff as we had email addresses for. It's the sort of form that you get from a lot of consumer websites where you yes, no and good, bad and they're just straightforward answers. The idea there was just to collect data to try and understand the areas of concern and the size of the problem that we've got in the in this world. So that we got a response rate of over 10% replies back from there, which we were very pleased with that so many people had taken the time to reply back to us. That gave us a lot of really good information as a starting point to develop the second phase and the second form, which involved members of the, of the working group going out to sites in their own companies to conduct a face-to-face interview with um, the ground staff. So this was more free form and it enabled us to get more detail from the first phase questions so that we could ask for open open questions and get, get more information from them. So we were looking at things like, where are the areas that make your job easier? What makes your job harder? What are the tasks that you undertake now in your role as, as ground frontline ground staff? What type of managerial support do you get? Because it, people are, are not, no longer office-based and they're much more remote than they used to be. Do you have sufficient time, resources, equipment to do the job? And then finally, if we if we got the time as each person, because obviously they're very busy people doing their job, we went round with them and did a, an actual train preparation and followed what they were doing and were able to get a better understanding of how they do their work on a daily basis. I know that people can be wary about answering questions about the difficulties they face in their jobs. What did you find when you talked to some of the train examiners? They certainly weren't backward in coming forward. They were interested in the project. They wanted to know more about what we were doing. And obviously, when it became clear that the work of the group is to try and improve their work conditions and the, and the, the way that they work, they were all for it. They just wanted to, to tell, tell us about the problems and tell us about the good things, the successes and the, and the not so good things in their work. They weren't, they weren't backwards in any way. They were, they were very uh, open, very honest. They had ideas as well, which was great because when you're living with a problem day in, day out, you definitely want, uh, you know, you, you know what the, often what the answer to that is or you've got ideas. So they were, they were quick to suggest solutions as well to the problem. They really did want to be involved. Thank you, Devon. It sounds as though you had a lot of people willing to give a lot of feedback. Were there any particular themes that came out from your discussions with the ground staff? This was the biggest change that that I personally noticed because it's quite a few years since I was directly involved with with ground staff. And in in those days, most of the ground staff RSTs and shunters, as they were known at the time, were were sort of located in a yard, a fixed yard with a a yard supervisor who managed sort of workload and their day-to-day activities. And, And it's changed out of all recognition now. These people are mobile. A lot of them are mobile. They've got a van. 
Some of them work from home. They're going to one site at the beginning of the shift and they're traveling to another site. Mobile phones have, have, have come along since, since I was last involved. It was always fixed telephones in cabins. And so they're constantly in touch with the customer, our control, the drivers, people were able to, to talk to them. They were, they were managing their work as they went along. They were actually, in effect, the, the managers. So they manage the time, they manage the, the yards in which they work, they deal with the customers. They are the face of Freightliner as far as our customers are concerned. Then they have to be diplomatic, establishing a working relationship with the customers and, and with other people that are on the site, or maybe other freight operators. It's, it's a much more complicated job to, to just simply check in a wagon uh, and ensuring that it's safe to go on the, on the network. They get a plan. They have to replan because as the day goes on, trains are delayed. There's a change to what order trains coming in and going out, wagons that may be late being delivered from the customer into the yard. And so they're constantly thinking on the feet. And then in addition to that, of course, things have come along that are not directly related to the work that they used to do, uh, such as some of our ground staff, they refuel locomotives. And that in itself can cause an issue because quite rightly, we, we ensure that our locomotives are supervised when they're being refueled in case there's an issue, we don't want to pollute the ground. But while they're doing that, they're taken away from their, their normal day-to-day -day role. So everything is dynamic in, in the day. It's no two days are ever the same for them. It was a real eye-opener to, to go around and meet them and talk to them and see what they do. The role of ground staff has obviously become more complex and more sophisticated in recent years. But has our recruitment, training and assessment process changed to reflect this? Well, I think Anne, you're, you're right there. This is where we really do have to think about it because it's no longer a traditional course, training course, where, where you're just talking about the wagon and the the items on the wagon, it's coming as now across as non-technical skills. So these are the, the the other skills beyond actually being able to look at a wagon and decide if it's safe to go out on the rail network. And and we do this with our drivers. We, we're looking at lots of different skills to give drivers, such as risk-triggered commentary. Have we thought about anything like that for, for ground staff to help them maintain a focus when they're, when they're doing this job? And also it could be, you know, involved with contact from the, the customer or, or another member of our staff at the same time to, so that they keep focused on the important job, which is checking the, the wagons as they go around before they're departing. So there are some new things and definitely I think we do need to look at tr our training and assessment to make sure that that's up to date. But there are some other things that haven't changed very much either. Certainly some of the places, the, the facilities in which these people work are definitely due to be upgraded and refreshed. If you're uncomfortable in your work conditions, if, you, if you've not got the correct PPE, cold and wet, they're out in all hours of the day and night in all weathers. And it's up to us to make sure that, that they have the best facilities and support. And PPE has improved dramatically again over the last few years. IT, some of our, some of our sites are in very remote locations where phone signals are difficult. And it means that they've, they're not able to, to con contact our control anywhere in the yard. They have to walk to certain areas of yards in order to, to get contact. And of course, there's the perennial problem of vegetation and maintaining the yard conditions. 
but it was really interesting, really interesting to to spend time and talk to people. And we've, there's a couple of things we've already picked up straight away. The radios, something that was a common theme, the, 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 the quality of the sound on radios. So we're already looking at using a, the latest digital radios. So we, we've gained something quickly already, as well as what we can feed into the whole working group as we go forward. Thank you very much, Devon, for describing all of that including those quick wins that others might want to look at in their yards and depots. If I can turn back to you now, Dave, it sounds like you have gathered a lot of information for the condition of freight vehicles on the network working group to look at. What do you intend to do with it? Yes, uh, thanks, Ant. I think Devon's just uh, explained the complexity of the ground staff job role quite wonderfully there and and what these uh, key frontline people inherit every day when when they go to work. I think the uh, site complexity and also some of the basic um, tools they need to do their job, this is a really valid project where we need to get to ground to improve these situations. I think also, so safety is not commercially gaining, you know, this is about safety of the vehicle, safety of the person, safety of freight operation and safety of passengers. Ultimately, as these freight trains weighing up to 4,000 tonnes travel around the network. So what what we're going to do? Well, we're going to continue by the end of September, early October, to consolidate the uh, human factors analysis with the three interventions we've been running since April. We're going to identify and deliver collaboratively short, medium and long-term improvements to the freight train preparation and ultimately, eventually, the engineering processes involved in this work, these work streams, based on the information and evidence gathered from the processes we followed via the PPS model. Ultimately, by talking to the people on the front line who carry out this amazing work 24-7. I and mean, obviously, we'll have to agree these various steps and milestones uh, for the delivery plan with, with our uh, stakeholders, particularly keep ORR and RAVE uh, in the loop and network rail, and obviously all of the FOX. Thank you, Dave. That's covered the data. Could you now tell us what you hope to achieve with it? Yes, certainly, And I mean, ultimately, this is all about reducing train delay attribution on the network from freight wagon incidents and also due to vehicle condition. Uh, we also need to see a year-on-year reduction in the numbers and risks in line with the LHSBR strategy pertaining to wagon condition. And we wish to uh, standardise rail freight train preparation and loading procedures as we go forwards with all FOCs involved. I think another important part of it is continue to listen and learn via best practice from the frontline ground staff specialists. And most importantly, stay working with them at the front end of ground staff freight operations as they are the champions and they are the consultants actually in this field of freight operations. I'd also like to thank Devon the train preparation project team uh, individually for the continued support and endeavour and professionalism with respect to CFVN. And thank all the stakeholders. But most importantly, again, I'll go back to the frontline train preparers across the freight sector who carry out this tough but rewarding and vital role of freight train preparation, dispatch and receipt daily, fantastically. Thank you, Ant. So thank you, Dave. And thank you, Devon, for participating in this episode. It's been a fascinating experience for me, and I hope our listeners too. While I'm talking about hope, I hope you will both come back to record more episodes in future to report on the progress that you make. I'd also like to thank our listeners for sticking with us this far. As ever, if you have any comments about this or any other podcast, please 
email me on podcasts at rssb.co.uk. In the meantime, thank you for listening and stay safe. Thank you.